gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. That's right, we're talking about Smile on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from a nondescript city that could just be anywhere, frankly. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we're dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We're going to unpack all the disturbing nonsense that is Smile in the hopes that a... uh, an infected individual's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we might make at their expense. And as always, there's only one person I trust to bring a very special present to my son's birthday. The one, the only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? Can't see me, but I've got this really weird smile on my face. I <laughs> is a lot harder to do a podcast without your lips being able to touch. I, I got that kind of combination weird smile and then the Kubrick stare. It's a really, really horrifying combination. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> um, so, Gina, uh, you know, every once in a while we like to do uh, the new hip movie that the kids love to see. Um, and uh, with the current turnarounds and and the way that studios are releasing movies these days because i don't get to see movies in movie theaters anymore i have a puppy and i have a child (laughs) and uh, i have work and between those three things it just does not allow me to go out but i was very happy to see that smile landed on digital um we had a giveaway last week for uh, digital copies of smile um so i'm hoping that some uh, lucky Kill by Kill listeners uh, tuned in and requested those. Uh, it's also on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, w- did you see Smile on streaming or did you catch it in the theater? I, you know, I tried to see it in the theater and I, you know, as you say, life got in the way and I was mm-hmm. not able to. So, yeah, no, I watched it yesterday on Paramount Plus for the first time. Uh, finally, that Paramount Plus subscription uh, is paying off <laughs> after after uh, more than a year of, uh, of trying to do the uh, a, an episode by episode recounting of the stand and giving up two episodes in because it literally tried to kill you exactly it just it just sucked a little live out of my body through my kidneys apparently yeah apparently the stand <laughs> trying to kill you and so we were like you know what we can't continue with this and also we did not want to continue with this. No. i don't think we've pulled the plug harder than we ever i mean if if you had not in fact been almost killed by the stand i also think we would have given up on doing it i yeah i don't know i listeners if any of you and i'm 100 percent sincere about this you know you know uh, uh, contact us on social media you know hit me up on facebook or in the or you want to mention in the group if you watch this series all the way through to the end please let us know because I know no one yeah. that, that 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 watched the whole thing, <laughs> not a single person. And we have we know some dedicated stand fans. The the yeah. you know Bo and Megan. The reason why we did it with them is because they are huge 
stand fans. I don't think they finished right, watching yeah. it. I don't know. I don't know that anybody did. But if you have, I, I and it's not even to you know rag on you or anything. I just I want to know how it turned out. If it got any better, what you liked about it, etc. Please, I honestly want to know. Yes, I I would too. I'd love to find out how it ends so that I don't have to watch it myself. And so far, I've been very dedicated to not watching it myself but let us <laughs> turn now from something we truly did not like to something i assume that we both did like which is smile um why don't we have a quick as is our want to do with episodes of more recent films uh have a quick non-spoiler discussion um just to give people our impressions let them know whether or not we liked the motion picture and then we can get into more detail after that for those who have not had the opportunity to watch it yet so gina what is your non-spoiler review of smile i it's really unsettling um Mm -hmm. i would say that you know i have seen this a few places but it cannot be said enough that that this movie kind of maybe needs a content warning uh particularly Mm. for people who struggle with mental illness and self-injury and suicide uh because it's pretty intense uh i don't know that i don't know that i found it you know scary scary but it was it was disturbing and and you know i yes for some reason particularly well i don't want to i don't want to spoil it but it it reminded me in some ways of saint maude and that and i don't Mm. know but but uh i mean without the religion obviously without the the religious aspects of it but you know and we could you know and we have had the conversation about people complaining oh all horrors about trauma yeah and yeah this is exactly about trauma i mean it it doesn't make yes it's that's not a metaphor or anything like that it's literally about how you know trauma spreads from person to person only here it's just literally like almost like like contagious yeah i i think the uh genius of this is that a it uses the trauma metaphor not as a as a metaphor, but actually centers it into the conversation, which I think is different than being subtly in the background of something. It it puts it to the forefront, um, but it's not alone there. And I think that is the other thing. It is incredibly familiar in many many respects. It yeah. is going to remind you of a lot of other movies. And this is that successful remix of other ideas into something original that I always enjoy seeing because it's, I can point to how it is, it is very obviously America's first real J horror. (laughs) It is absolutely in the vein of the ring and the grudge and one missed call and pulse. It is all those things but swapping out the paranoia of technology for our, our very open discussion of mental health and how that feels from the inside is a very interesting remix of that idea. It also is stealing liberally from movies like It Follows. Oh, for sure. And yeah, there's there's definitely. I mean, call it homage, call it lifting, you know, whatever you want. It's it's very reminiscent in in a lot of ways of yeah. that. I can't remember what borrows, but genius steals, and 
I, I think it's it's taking that visual language and telling its own story with it. Um, the other thing it definitely reminded me of, which is akin to that to to a lesser degree, is the Nighthouse, which is a fan fucking fantastic motion picture. But again, something that might want to come with the content warning in terms of mental health, because that is also something that is forefronting that concept and putting it into the active discussion of the motion picture. Um, I like the night house a whole lot better. That being said, this is the popcorn horror version of that. And I would imagine this was a lot of fun to see with other people in a uh, in a movie well, picture it's, house. It's got a few. It's got some jump scares, and and you know I'm kind of worn out of the jump scares at this point. I'm actually starting to anticipate them, which which mm-hmm. um, you know is probably you suggest that they don't work on me the way they're supposed to like i can i can tell right. at this point okay she's gonna turn and someone's gonna be standing right there or you know like yeah. like it's and I, I don't mind them i'm not anti jump scare but you know i i felt mm-hmm. you know more the the i connected more with the kind of creeping dread in 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 this yeah. than than the than the jump scares. I, I will say that for all of the you know influences, uh, uh, homages, you know if you you know people who don't like this would call them ripoffs. I I am surprised and impressed that this is a debut feature for the director, because he right it is, yeah. he, he feels unfortunately it's ten thirty in the morning here. I've been up since five a.m. I don't have the director's name at the top of my head. Um, but he feels very assured that, that of the movie he's it's, making. Yeah. It's Parker Finn is the gentleman's name. Yeah. Apparently this um, was based on a, on a short film that was, that was, uh, that was expanded to read a, uh, like maybe about an hour, 50 minute long feature. And it, it doesn't feel, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like, you know, stretched or padded or anything like that. It, it, it's, you know, he had a, a, a seed of a good idea and grew the seed. And, and that's, you know, yeah. that was the result of this. And I think it, you know, 90% of it works very well. Uh, it's insanely confident. He, he's, he does that thing that I very much love. And we discussed it uh, in Barbarian as well. There's an intentionality to where the camera is being placed. This is what you need to look at and why you need to look at it. And what also sets this apart, and it has to be said, uh, and we'll get into more detail about this, but the lead performance by uh, Sosie Bacon is what is so gripping, is so committed. I can't imagine doing this for months but she is literally on the edge the entire time. Yeah, it looks it looks exhausting. Now, uh, one little funny thing I noticed is uh, uh, Sosie Bacon is, of course, the daughter of Kevin Bacon and Kira Sedgwick, and it's much much like uh, Maya Hawk of Stranger Things, like. Uh, uh, and maybe you might, I notice this with my own child and you might notice it with, with Ollie that, you know, at certain angles mm-hmm. and lights, she looks exactly like the one parent and then she'll turn her face and it looks like the <laughs> other parent. And it, she mostly, I mostly yes. get a lot of, I mostly get a lot of Kevin in her, but, but may, maybe it's because I'm, sure, yes. I'm thinking of like stir of echoes. He's done more horror 
than 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 Kira Sedgwick has. So, sure. you know, I, I'd see more of him, but it's just kind of funny how that sort of like, you know, I mean, obviously that's how genetics work, but you know, some some yeah, kids yeah. favor heavily favor one parent more than the other. She's kind of, you know, perfectly looks like both of them depending on the light or the angle it's just, it was just interesting to notice mm-hmm. yeah she definitely has uh kevin's face shape uh, especially around the jaw and then she has kira sedgwick's eyes it's, right. it's wild once you know it you can't stop seeing it but it i'm like i'd seen her in mayor of east town and i'd like i'd liked everything about mayor of east town but uh when she for the first half an hour i completely forgot that I had ever seen her before. It's a very gripping performance. Um, and it's, it just really, uh, I, I have to praise her ability to keep this up because it, the film is so demanding of her emotionally. And if you don't buy her, you wouldn't buy anything. There's no amount of camera tricks in the world that is going to sell you on this concept if you don't believe she is going through it. And so um, akin to the night house, it's, it's really anchored on a, an incredibly solid performance. And, you know, up until, I don't know, it's just a very heavily acted piece because he is not trying to jump scare you he's not trying to like jump, 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 jump. It's trying to pace it out and get you off guard. So I think before we go any further, I think we could just have to go into spoiler territory. So would you recommend that our audience uh, check out smile if they're so want? I would say that if you found like the Babadook a little too, a little too mm-hmm. intense. This is probably mm-hmm. on a par with that. And I would say that the, 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 yeah, I was going to bring up S.E. Davis uh, in comparison to, to, uh, Sosie Bacon, in which, you know, you, you're watching somebody, you know, not just fall apart mentally, but aware and very scared that they're falling apart. And sometimes yes. that, that part is harder to deal with than the actual, you know, mental illness part is that, you know, you are aware that something is happening to you that should not be happening to you. So I think that, the, yeah. you know, if, if the Blabadook was a little too much that, yeah, I would take a pass on this, but other than that, yeah, I mm-hmm. think it's a, it's a very well done, very effective movie. I would agree. I, I think it's it's a lot of fun in terms of the roller coaster ride, but it is very rare to have a popcorn horror movie that is more about vibes. And this is really a getting under your skin and making you feel uncomfortable. That is generally not something that makes two hundred million dollars at the domestic box office. No, that's a it's a little bit of a miracle that how how it, I, and yeah. it was originally going to go right to streaming, and and yes. so, somebody said no, let's let's put it in the theater, give it a try, and it, it, let's put this out in theaters. And I, I mean, whoever thought of that? I mean, there were no there were no you know, name actors. A, I mean, horror fans know who Kyle Garner is. But I mean, he's still not a huge right, name yeah, yeah. In, in, in horror. You know, there was you know, no big star st- anchoring it. It's an original property. It's pretty much like 
like barbarian in in that you know who would have thought that this would have you know would land with audiences so well i think it's a really fun development that uh studios are are understanding that as a communal experience horror is where it's at like spectacle is great but you have to spend so much money for spectacle and this is a movie that really benefits of not having a super widely known ubiquitous stars. I'm sure there are plenty of movie star caliber names that could have handled this role, but I think it would have put you at distance of the character. And because Sosie Bacon is not as well known, she you she just is allowed to inhabit this role and you don't have a blockade of where do I know her from? You know, all the mental gymnastics you have to get past in order to feel for her. It's just gone. You're just into the movie. I, I also recommend it, but it does come with that content warning of this does forefront mental health as an issue. And so if it makes you feel uncomfortable, pull that parachute. You do not have to, you will, your uh, stability is much more important than your cultural conversation of being able to see smile. Um, that being said, or 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 uh, read or I or read or read or you know read the you know read the Wikipedia description. The plot's already up. If you yes. if you it won't be it won't be ruined for you if you know what's going to happen going in. Yes, but you've seen other movies like this. Yeah, <laughs> is the other thing. <laughs> and let's get into that detail. So uh, those who have not seen it yet and want to, you know, pause it here and come back to us later, uh, re-download it, download it 10 times. I don't care. Uh, it's fine with me. Uh, but those who have seen the film and, and uh, let's continue on and get into this. As I said, this is America's first original J horror. Uh, the entire time I'm like, holy shit, someone figured out the math of the ring and the grudge and <laughs> all that stuff and just swapped mental health and the fear of being, of, of being trapped in a situation that is crazy. And when you tell it to other people, you know, they're going to think you're crazy. Well, it also helps. And that's that, the horror. Yeah. And you know, making things worse is she has the least supportive family that i've seen in a movie like this in in, yeah. in a long time it's it, it actually made me honestly angry but i you know it was supposed to like like and I, at one point i'm like one of these people had better end up getting killed and they don't <laughs> no. and 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 it really pissed me off it's like it's like come on man you know i mean give the audience some satisfaction because her <laughs> boyfriend's an asshole about it her sister's an asshole yeah. about it just everybody's just exasperated and immediately shutting her down and blah, 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 i can't deal with this and you know, patrick you love becky you guys have been together a very long time mm -hmm. it, 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 mm -hmm. you know if she came to you and said you know i i have been seeing things so yeah, i think something is you know chasing after me i feel like i'm being haunted you know you'll be concerned maybe even frightened but but i would assume because you're a human being with feelings like you love her that your your response would be well you know let's figure this out you know let's see how we can get you some help 
You know, you wouldn't shut her down with, you know, well, I I can't deal with this. You know, I'm tired of you, you know, not being able to get over things and blah, blah, flabberty flu. And yet that is how people often deal with a loved one's mental health issues. And it's so sad. And it's 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 so despairing that in 2022 you know, a lot of us can't even offer us offer up even a crumb of patience and compassion for someone who is struggling to to hold themselves together. It's really sad. And I feel like this movie really goes out of its way to make um, mental health a, a reality before it goes into the supernatural elements. When Rose first meets with this uh, one recurring patient to the center, which she works in, you can see her approach this person differently than everyone else. Everyone else is confrontational, trying to make eye direct eye contact, you know, focusing on them. And in many respects, you would think that would be the right approach, but she knows that the less threatening way to have a conversation with this person who is having a very manic episode is to sit to his side, to allow him full view in front of him, that she's with him, not, uh, you know, interviewing him or, uh, you know, that he's under some sort of, uh, like he's under, you know, police uh, interview somehow. And it shows you that she knows how to help people. And as a result, she knows when she says these things that she's experiencing out loud to people that she's going to sound fucking bug nuts. And (laughs) it's part of the terror of this is that there's nothing that she can do to convince people the craziest thing you've ever heard of is actually happening to her. Yeah. Like even her boss who, who is a therapist in the hospital, he's just kind of like, what, what are you talking about? (laughs) It's like, how do you act like you don't, you've never heard this before. You know, you, how do you like, well, you know, the, the, you know, the answer, the answer to your problems is take some time off. (laughs) <laughs> you know, not like, well, maybe we should, you know, you, you get you some help to see why you feel that way. It's like, yeah, no, you know, this, this makes you a danger to the patient. So you need to, you know, because she, she, cause she, you know, misread a situation with a, with a, with a patient, which probably happens a lot yes, in the, in the, yes. in a psychiatric hospital that you, you, you know, you mistake their actions for now, obviously we know that she's, you know, this is a vision she's having. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, the doctor doesn't know that. Right. But yeah. he's just like, yeah, now we can't have you around patients. And, you know, that's all she has. Yeah. <laughs> it's like to, to like tell somebody that just like, you know, I don't have time to listen to this. Just take a week off because, you know, you need to get your shit together before you can come back and, and you know, keep working here. And just right. like, nobody's the only person that helps her is Kyle Gallner, who is her ex-boyfriend. Right. Yeah. Because he's listening. He's listening. It's weird how often we come back to this concept as of late where the, the terror within a situation is exasperated by the fact that the characters around your, our main person who's experiencing whatever this is, that this is a mask for people who hear the words that come out of your mouth 
but don't really want to get involved. And for me, the metatextual idea behind Smile is that the that is all they want her to do. Her, her boyfriend would like her to be a doctor he can show up to parties with and say, this is my doctor wife. He wants to present a front. His sister, or her sister rather, my apologies, and, uh, and, 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 and brother-in-law would simply like to project this area of perfection. They, they just would like everyone to believe they're just rich and fanciful and have this lovely child and nothing in the world is wrong. And her boss would like just professionalism. And if you cannot be professional to these standards, then I won't really deal with the problem at hand. I will again, send you home. And they would all just like her to smile. And that is the demon behind this is the concept that I don't want to deal with your problems. You center yourself in someone else's issues. And that, that idea is made into a horror movie. And for that alone, this gets a gold fucking star. Yeah. And, and probably the, the, the most unsettling scene for me, and I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get too deep here, but, Mm -hmm. but, when she is at her nephew's birthday party, uh, uh, things are already starting to go to hell for her at that point. Oh, yeah, she's, yeah. she's already, you know, been confronted with this patient who commits suicide in front of her, um, uh, which you know, kind of gets the ball rolling, you know, for everything that happens. And she's kind of checked out of this party and, and like, and you know what? I've been there. I've been in in happy situations and just kind of, you know, just been a body filling a space, but not really like, you know, I could open my eyes and be sitting in the middle of a train station and would not know any different, you know, I mean, just like, and she's just kind of spacing out and like the voices of the, everybody saying happy birthday, it's all getting distorted. And then, you know, it's like, okay, somebody behind the making of this movie gets this. And and understands what this is like, and and I, as someone who has very long struggled with mental health issues, I appreciate that. I mean, yeah, is it a little lurid, you know, to show all these crime scene photos, these horrific ways people are committing suicide? Yeah, yeah, but it's a horror movie, you know. I mean, I yeah. I, I, I accept that there has to be a little luridness involved, but there is an empathy to the situation that I appreciate. Another thing I really liked was every time that, you know, it, it, it comes to light very quickly that she has struggled with mental health in the past, not perhaps not to the intensity that she is now, certainly not the intensity of presenting her nephew with a gift wrap dead cat, which she doesn't even remember. Obviously she did kill the cat. She doesn't remember, but, um, you know, because like I said, everybody is immediately like, oh, God, here we go again. She, you know, you know, she can't hold herself together. But like she will occasionally have these outbursts, you know, in, in defense of herself and, and for everybody just being you know, indifferent and irritated at her, you know, and then she'll be like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And and it's yeah. just, and again, that's like, oh. You know that you know that meme with like the elderly man like 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 grimacing and like holding his chest. I was like, oh, 
it be? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like, oh God, I'm sorry. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have you know, yelled at you for your failure to, you know, be empathetic to me and, and patient <laughs> with me. You know? <laughs> well, cause she knows how it sounds on the other side and all she wants, you know, at the, at this point, what she wants is just people to hear her and understand. I know this sounds fantastical, but there is a reality to this, whether or not you believe it or not, there's a reality. There's something going on here. And if you would only listen to me a little bit, you would begin to piece it together. And Kyle Galner, who God bless him, has had quite a year um, for an actor who once upon a time was trapped in the worst Nightmare on Elm Street film of all time and will ever be. I can't, I just don't think you could make a worse Nightmare on Elm Street movie. And he is really trying in there. And God bless him. He's found a second act. And this is he just really kind of shines here as someone who hears what she has to say. It sounds a little bit crazy, but he goes with her a little bit. And because of that, he's like, all right, there's some, there's something going on here. And I might not believe everything that's happening with about what you say it is, but there's obviously some tangible element of this that I can get on board with. And um, I, I think he really kind of shines in those moments. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I said that, earlier that uh it, it reminds me of saint maud as mostly because of the closing shot which mm-hmm. is devastating yeah uh yeah. i you do you, you I, I, and you you sure you all don't want to be spoiled on this because i'm gonna tell the i'm gonna say the ending she mm-hmm. sets herself on fire yeah. and and but you don't really see it you only see kyle Gallner's reaction to it mm-hmm. and it, it's a tight close-up of his face and you could just see like just something you could hear like like the shattering glass like yeah. sound effect of like you know like his eyes are just like like you know like I don't what am I I can't comprehend what I'm seeing here and you're like well you know it's gonna keep moving and like then yeah. you, and then you like see like her reflection in his eyes and it's just yeah. like yeah like I said I am shocked that this that this is a debut feature because you know that that takes some balls to to end your movie like that and and have it be terrifying and upsetting and and you know just kind of you know a scene you know you won't forget rather than coming off as kind of you know cheesy yeah um and going back to the j-horror thing because i think this is important to kind of get across because in many ways, the J-horror revolution was not just how do we find a different way to tell a horror story. It was a moment in time in which, you know, we had just been told the world might end because the computers don't have four digits to tell a year. They only have two. And you're like, well, that seems simple. Um shouldn't there be a fix for that? And and it turned out there was a fix and it turned, it took a a whole shit ton of computer scientists and programmers to figure that out for every single fucking computer on earth. And they actually did, which is why the world did not end quote unquote uh, because of it. But that sort of trauma 
around that, and to use that word again, is so resident in those movies that these convenient technologies access things we're not yet ready for, I think is somewhat turned on its head here, not just in the curse element, not just in the, you're going to see the end result of a lot of bad deaths result, but that mental health is something that is being forefronted in so many conversations. Spend just a couple hours on TikTok and you will see how casual people are with discussing their mental health issues. And the that idea of it it you being able to discuss it and yet still being judged for it and that this conversation is in the world and we don't have a solution for it, that there are all these huge traumas that we deal with, whether it is personal, whether you were in a place that had a real shooting in it, or you have simply heard about it. Um, my, not to tell tales out of school, but there was a, a, a loud incident at my son's school. Now, there were no weapons involved. There was no threats involved. It was just one of those things where one particular child decided uh, after a, an argument to go down the hallway and start slapping loudly on everyone's door and scream. This resulted in every single one of these kids having that triggering circumstance that they have been told is a possibility. Someone in your school has a weapon and they're out to get you. And that, that flashed through every single kid's head. I don't want my child to think about that. But guess what? He's thought about it. And when this happened, it was at the forefront of his mind. And these traumatic events are the, the sort of soup that this is making a meal out of. And it's doing that thing that so many of the horror movies we've, we've talked about, whether serious or fun popcorn or goofy, they're all playing on the mirror of society and going, what is freaking people out right now? And how can I use that? And is this a little exploitative? Yes, but horror is an, an exploitative um, genre. And I think it's, it's pretty wild that the runaway horror success of the year is playing on trauma at the forefront. Yeah, and it's not, you know, it's not a fun movie. You know, it, it doesn't end well for anyone. Yeah. Uh, you know, you you feel that she's going to have this triumphant moment in which she, you know, confronts the real heart of her own personal trauma. Uh, you know, she doesn't. <laughs> mm -hmm. It doesn't work. Which, you know, again, I, 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 but I also think that that is somewhat realistic. It's, 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 you know, it's pragmatic in that if you have dealt with an incredibly tra traumatic situation, which, you know, we are we are led to believe that it, it is the suicide of her mother. I mean, which technically it still is, but you, you learn later that she has let the mother die because she she can't deal. The mother's overdosed and, and she simply as a child does not 
call for help because yeah. you know she can't she's probably seen it before yeah. that's the other thing yeah she can't she, she, she's been a ban- she's pretty much been left to her own devices by the sister we find that mm-hmm. out um and you know you if you if it's something like that if it's you know a loved one getting murdered if it's you know sexual assault there's no such thing as conquering it or you know removing it from your life there is simply acknowledging that it exists and doing the best you can to get a grip on it that you, know, you can't simply eliminate it from your life and, and and I think that this movie, sadly, you know, you she thought she thought she had it. Nope, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so much worse than she thought. Um, yeah, that very much reminded me, and I've been struggling to come up with the the 2006 spelunking horror movie, um, the, uh, the Descent. The Descent. It very much reminded me of the original cut of The Descent. Um which uh, <laughs> I think about The Descent a lot. That That's another movie that just exploits a particular concept that I, the tight spaces thing I can't fucking do. And that movie, I have not revisited it, not because I didn't enjoy the living hell out of it, but I don't know that I can go through it again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I, I don't know that I'd watch this one again. Again, I liked it very much. I, I gave mm-hmm. it four stars on Letterboxd. I, I I think it is a well-made movie, mm-hmm. but much like the Babadook, I I felt myself empathizing with the protagonist a little too much. Yeah, and yeah. and that could be that could be exhausting for yes. for any any kind of movie. Yeah, um, and. The the other thing is like, you know, I if I see another drone shot upside down, I'm gonna fucking lose my mind. Yeah, that's a little it's a little played out at this point. Like this is the this is this is the death knell for this. Like I I'll grant you, it's an interesting concept, and I liked it when I saw it twenty years ago, but. It's got to stop. And this this puts that to bed. We can all be done with that as something we need to see. <laughs> um, it's so it follows. It's so St. Maud. It's so the grudge. It's all these things in a bouillabaisse and find something original out of it, which you know, that that's pretty wild that you can be that referential and yet find a way to, and it's the sort of thing that April Wolf is always talking about. It's not what happens, it ha- it's how it happens. And so this is a very, it's how it happens that, that makes you, you know, that makes this film sort of take off. Um, but, oh my God, it is, if you've seen a movie, Holy shit, you've seen this movie. It's pretty wild that it works as as effectively as it does. And I think it just comes down to execution and the performances. And, oh, the other thing that absolutely is lifting is music. And that music is from the first season of White Lotus. Okay, I I haven't watched that, so I'll take your word for it. (laughs) The first season of White Lotus, not, and this is not a plot spoiler or anything like that. It is simply to do with the music because it takes place in Hawaii and it's this, the most nightmarish version of the tiki room from Disneyland over and over again at the most inappropriate times. It's just 
it sounds like a bird hollering in your ear constantly. <laughs> and it's so unnerving and so disruptive. You can't, you're just like, please, please, for the love of God, what is going to happen? What is going to happen? And most of it is just, we're going to make fun of rich people. But... <laughs> <laughs> but you, you're, you keep waiting for someone to pull out a knife and plunge it into somebody's eyeball. That's what it sounds like. And here it is doing that uh, very opportune times. It's just, and you're, oh my God, please stop, please stop, please, please, please stop. It's intrusive thoughts. Yeah, exactly. The motion picture. Exactly. And also like uh going back to uh Barbarian, both movies uh end with the uh, roll credits over very you know, very upbeat old songs, mm-hmm. which it's mm-hmm. I actually I mean that's kind of also become a cliche in of itself for, for, for well, Halloween movies. with Mr. Sandman. But, it's but, it, but I actually I actually kind of love that. I have a whole yeah. I have a whole a whole Spotify playlist of, <laughs> of, of songs. I literally the playlist is called "Songs That Should Be in the Soundtrack of Horror Movies" because it's <laughs> it's, it's either songs I'm surprised haven't been used in horror movies yet, or or like just upbeat songs that would you know you know, be funny to have at the end of a horror movie. Like I always thought that it would be really great to have a, a movie about vampires in which the end credits rolled over the Archie Sugar Sugar. Oh boy! But yeah, I, I love, again. It's a cliche in itself, though. But I, I just I get a kick out of it. It's just such a nice little like uh, like um, uh, uh, Midsummer did it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's just you know it's sort of like uh, uh, dash of cold water to the audience's face. You know, I mean. Yes. Well, I think it's it, it's projecting this everything's going to be all right vibe afterwards. <laughs> like, it's okay. This is all entertainment. <laughs> we can, we can understand this entertainment. It affects take you. A, take here's a breath. Something. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're okay. Here's, here's something familiar. We, you can grasp onto as you crawl out of a movie theater. It's just weird that this was the popcorn moment of the of the year next to Top Gun Maverick? You know, yeah, this could be more diametrically opposed motion pictures in terms of that. Um, well, it's, it's it's interesting to me because a lot of movies have struggled to find an audience this year, mm-hmm. yeah. and you know a lot of movies that you know seem to be sure bets. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to get anything controversial, but, you know, a lot of people were willing to to dismiss it as well. People are reluctant to go back to the movies because of COVID. It's like, mm, yeah. I don't think they are that much anymore. <laughs> uh, I mean, last time I've been, last couple of times I've been to the movies, those have been packed theaters. And yeah. I saw like Triangle of Sadness, which like, <laughs> which like, it's not really, I mean, it's a funny movie, but it's not a popcorn movie. Yeah. Um so it's like okay, people are making a, a, a an educated decision to not see certain movies, but to go, you know, see other movies like Barbarian, like like Smile, uh, because I think that they movies at this point have gotten so outrageously expensive. Yes, that horror movies are more of a you know, a known 
you know, quantity. It's like I am there is a 75% chance I'm going to be entertained by this movie and it'll be worth my time and money. Whereas let's say a movie like uh I don't know, don't worry, darling. I'm pulling that out of the air because I just watched that last week. But that was another one that was expected to do very well. Uh uh, because in fact it's so well that that and Black Adam were like the only two theatrical releases that Warner Brothers have done this entire last quarter of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it did not do well, so it's like you know, well you know, but yet people you know are at that point at the same time that don't worry, darling come out. Smile had been already out for about a month and was still doing very well. Yeah, and Barbarian and Terrifier too, and you know it's very discounted. But yeah, Terrifier you know, too, Halloween. who even like who could even explain that one? I mean, I don't yeah. like that's just like you know, there are miracles and then there's like, how did this happen? And and yeah. I don't I don't I don't mean that in terms of, of quality of the movie. I haven't seen it yet, but but you know, just how did I mean how many people even had heard of Terrifier before this? I think it's one of those weird word of mouth things. Yeah. And um I think people who were into it probably front loaded it. But I think it's delivering something that Barbarian isn't. And Barbarian is delivering something that Smile isn't. And Smile is delivering something that Halloween Ends isn't. It's a, 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 a only, plot and, and, and engaging characters. Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely cared more. I definitely care more about uh, Sosie Bacon than I did about, you know, Corey. Oh, fucking Corey. <laughs> we won't, we won't, we, we shan't relitigate. No Halloween is. <laughs> please go please go to patreon and I, and I think all of our halloween commentaries are worth listening to it was quite a journey and i'm glad we went on it but that was a weird way to end things but there's a film that is literally trying to do what smile does and it simply cannot land it. it it is just a bridge too far and i praise it for t- attempting to do something different because you could have just delivered another halloween and probably would have been better received well here's well here's the problem um i said before that i i and i don't you know i don't want to say that it was specifically the 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 screenwriter but somebody involved in smile gets this they they yeah. there's it feels personal whereas you know I, I as you say i appreciate that david gordon green and danny mcbride try to approach the subject of trauma because that's something a lot of slasher movies don't even bother getting near uh but it feels distant and detached in, in, in a way that I can't, I don't get invested. I mean, yeah, you know, fine. You know, I, I felt for Jamie Lee Curtis because it's Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, yeah. but because so little time, again, I'm hearing I'm relitigating Halloween ends. I just said I wasn't going to do that. But like, you know, they kind of just drop this character, this new character, you know, into the audience's lap to say, okay, he's sad, care about him. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, but why? Why should I, you know, you know, make me understand his problems, make me feel sad for them for him? And they and they don't. Whereas, you know, so is he Bacon's character, Rose, co- completely new to the audience, dropped in the audience's lap. But somehow the combination of how Sosie Bacon plays her and how the character is written, you you kind of 
feel invested in her from the minute you meet her. Yeah. I absolutely agree. Um, so if we do, we dare play choose your own death venture or is that just a little too morbid because they're all, you're doing it to yourself. And well, I, I mean, to be also to be fair, like most of the, the deaths are, are, are alluded to mm-hmm. there. I think there were only like two on screen deaths, right? Yes, there are only two on. I don't like either. The others we hear about and see a picture. I don't of. like any of them. Well, I mean, I, I love that the 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 cruel twist in it of this of this transferring this uh this uh virus, if you want to call it, is mm-hmm. not just that you have to kill yourself in front of another person or kill another person, as we find out. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to do it as gruesome and violently. Possible, so so I guess they they just you know it's not enough that someone you know hung themselves or something like that. It's like you know you have to like you have to like run your head into a bandsaw or something like that. (laughs) So it's like you you have to be really inventive with it. Yeah, this this demon must be running out of ideas at this point. You know, you have to launch you have to to launch yourself out of a cannon and their front went through their front window. Yeah. So I don't like you, I don't like either of those. Uh you know Paramount's gonna go back to the well on this. I I hope this this filmmaker and writer takes that that executive producer credit and the money coming his way and runs. Yeah, well I, I, I again I appreciate that most of the the the, the, the suicides are, are more mentioned. Oh I guess we got the guy and the we count the guy in the video who stabbed himself with like garden shears or something like that. <laughs> yes. it, again, this movie is filmed in such a wild way where I'm like, I'm squinting. So, and I have a 65 inch 4k HD television. I'm squinting. I'm putting, I have glasses on. I'm real. I'm like, how is this happening? <laughs> I do like, I do like, I do like how that shot, like he like, you know, he's in a, it's supposed to be like a gas station mm-hmm. and he like walks up to a woman like pumping gas and, and he like stabs himself with like this like blood fountain sprays out of his chest. And she just kind of like, she's just kind of like back and like, oh my. <laughs> oh, well, it's a Tuesday. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'd probably be doing like a Kevin, Kevin McAllister. I just sort of like cringing uh, back. The other cathartic thing about this is having watched people deny a deadly disease for months and months and months and months, even when people they know are dropping dead around them, it is more convenient for them to just move on with life. And here's a horror movie about here's this horrible thing that happens right in front of you and deny it all you want to. It is real is and that, it's the most popular horror movie of the year. I, I think there's a reason for that. Yeah, it's gonna now, be it's gonna be very interesting to see what kind of uh, uh, media lands and doesn't land with people over the next couple of years. So you've got your you got your comfort watches like like the, like the Top Gun sequel. That's a comfort yeah, watch. Yeah. And then you've got stuff like this. It's like okay, why are people all of a sudden embracing? Not just horror movies, like brutal horror movies. I mean, we yes. really had a return to to just on screen, very violent horror. 
And yeah. it's like, okay, you know, why this? Why now? That's not a complaint. That's an honest question. Like, like, you know, you know, it, it does this have to do with things just being so relentlessly bleak on yes. on a worldwide scale? I wholeheartedly believe that there is an element to this that is akin to the Friday the Thirteenth Revolution, um, in the sense that you had a generation of people who had grown up and a whole swath of people who were slightly older than them had disappeared off the face of the planet, gone off to a foreign land, died horribly. It was shown on the news every single night because that's what was happening. And that they had to process that idea. And weirdly enough, the way it was, the way it kind of came across for them that resonated with them was Friday the 13th style slashers. It's, it is the, dare I say it, the mirror we hold up to society and it allows us to access these ideas in a way that does not necessarily repulse you. It lures you in and it's a communal experience and, you know, all all that jazz. Um, Okay, go out and see Smile if you haven't already. Uh, it's it's well worth your time. Uh, if you have seen Smile, we're happy you came out the other side. Um, also see Nope if you haven't, because weirdly enough, it's dealing with the same shit, just on a grander scale. It's like, what if this idea, but instead of the ring, it's Jaws? Um, I really liked Nope. Oh, I loved Nope. Nope's one, Nope's one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, I just don't think it's getting nearly the amount of play because I think it's more specific and experience. I think you really have to, it, that one's a puzzler. And I, I think it's a, like, I have not gone back to watch us. I just think about us every other week. I, I, I watched, I've watched, I've watched it two more times since, since uh, I, it's actually, it, it, apparently it's a, it's a controversial statement to say that's actually my favorite of his movies. I don't think it's controversial anymore. I really don't. Um, and uh, because it's a, it's slightly more universal um, uh, in the sense that the that lingering idea that if anything good happens to you, it's because something bad happened to somebody else. That is a fucking frightening and terrifying idea that he made into a popcorn horror movie. Jesus Christ, I love this genre. I know, right? <laughs> Aren't you glad we decided to do this show? <laughs> I love that we get to talk about this shit. It's so fucking stupid. Um, uh, thank you all for being a part of it. Gina, where can people find you on these here internet? I write about movies and television at the spool.net. Uh, should I even bother promoting my Twitter account anymore? <laughs> I don't know. Who knows if it'll still be it, here? If it's, or it could just linger on like a fucking zombie. Yeah, I mean, if you know, like I, MySpace still exists. Yeah, I mean, I may just abandon it eventually, but if you want to, you know, go back and watch, read some of my funnier tweets, it's uh, mm-hmm. Gina Does Things. Um, and I have a Substack, which is really where it's at for me now. And that's uh, Gina Watches Things.substack.com. Uh, we're on all the socials. We have a Facebook group that that is very fun. Uh, if you still have a Facebook for, let's say, well, my my parents want to see my child and pictures of them. 
That's the reason I have Facebook. But the second reason is because of our Facebook group, which has has really started to blossom as of like, I think because people are trying to find a, a community that is not as chaotic as and, and devastatingly dramatic as Twitter is, like it as I do. We're on Instagram. I have a TikTok. I don't do shit with it. Um, we also have a Substack. It's Kill by Kill at Stubzack.com. Uh, and we're going to be doing some stuff with it. And we're going to give it a whirl and try it out. Uh, see us on Patreon. We have a very funny episode on Starsky and Hutch. Uh, <laughs> in a vampire. It really is. It's really funny. <laughs> Genuinely funny. Talking about John fucking Saxon in a silk shirt. And then we are starting this month of November. We're going to go through all of the Friday the 13th movies again, but commentary style uh, as a way to uh, as a bomb for our soul. And so that just about does it uh, for myself and for Gina. The body count will continue. Bye bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.